Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by direct tv stream i am your host rj young thank you for watching whether you're on youtube twitter facebook or listening wherever it is you get your podcast today we got to talk about the college football playoff semifinals and let's get right to the top we know who is playing in the national championship game on january 10th it is the sec sequel to the sequel Alabama, Georgia, a fact I'm going to say now and probably at the end of the show, the two most talented teams in college football are playing in the national championship game. And I need to put a bow on that right quick. 140 of the 170 scholarship players who will be playing for the title on January 10th are four or five star players in high school. That is absurd obscene and that's how we get into what we can glean now let's start with what we just witnessed michigan georgia the big 10 champ versus the sec runner up jim harbaugh's team of the moment versus georgia's team of the season and i gotta tell you I thought this game was going to be close. I thought this was going to be one of those one-score type of affairs. I thought perhaps the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line would have something to say about the most dominant defense, not just this season, but of the last 10 years and quite possibly of the last 30 years. And no, no, no. The Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line had little to say. As a matter of fact, the Georgia front seven said, "Uh uh-uh. We're going to lay hands on you. You're going to feel us like Sunday morning at church. We're about to put this spirit of fear into you. Now, Darion Kendrick really showed us what's really good, getting two interceptions in this game alone. A transfer from Clemson, his decision to transfer was kind of, well, unexpected, but things led to where they led. He ends up being a starting corner and playing like one, and really – putting the clamps on a Michigan passing attack that was never there to begin with. We know that Andrell Anthony is good. We know that Dalen Baldwin is good. He transferred from Jackson State to Michigan. We knew that Eric All was good. But who we expected to assert their will here was the offensive line and those two or even three tailbacks that Michigan has. Hassan Haskins leading the charge, followed by a Blake Corum, followed by a Donovan Edwards. Blake Corum put the ball on the ground. You can't put the ball on the carpet. You can't do that, all right? 
At one point, we watched the Georgia defense turn Michigan over three consecutive times. You're not going to win any football games doing that, let alone against the best defense that you're going to face all year. Then you're talking about N'Kobe Dean, who was the best linebacker in the regular season. He's got the award to show for it. He played like that. But the dude that really personified who Georgia's defense is for me today is Quay Walker and then Trayvon Walker, right? So I guess that's two dudes, right? The Walkers. Quay Walker was already getting into people's faces, but then J.J. McCarthy late in the game thought that he could take off and show a little something with his feet. And my man Quay says, sit down, sir. I'm showing you how we play defense down here in the South to you, this team up North, giving him the straight business, putting it right in his chin. Hey, somebody better teach J.J. how to slide because he ain't going to be able to do that against these big, strong dudes from Georgia. And it felt like maybe he was the guy that would have given him a spark I would have liked to see what he does in the first half, let alone the second half. J.J.'s got a very bright future. I can't wait to see what he does at Michigan in the years to come. The other dude, Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker just getting after those offensive tackles in Michigan. I mean, at one point, I'm watching him stand dudes up. I got a text from an NFL assistant coach. He says, hey, hey, this Georgia team, they look like they play in the league, dog. Like, they snap off the ball. They are in your face. They are laying hands on you, and physical does not even begin to cover it. That's a lot, right? That, 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 that's a lot. But on the other side, the former walk-off, Stetson Bennett, absolutely showed up and showed out, right? And quiet as it's kept, let's go ahead and get this out front. Stetson Bennett has played like one of the best draft-eligible quarterbacks of the season. Like, when we started the season, we are talking about Spencer Rattler. We're talking about Sam Howell. We're even talking about JT Daniels, who's backing up Stetson Bennett. And all Stetson Bennett has done is play great football. Even in the only loss that they suffered this season, he threw for a career high in yardage, right? He's throwing TDs. He had a couple picks in the game, but that's what's going to happen when you're going to throw the ball almost 50 times, right? And at the end of this game, he finishes with... 21-31, three TDs, 307 passing yards against a top-10 Michigan defense. That's on tape now. So what I'm saying is, start talking about Stetson Bennett the way, you've been talking, the way you have been talking about Matt Corral. The way you have been talking about Kenny Pickett. He needs to be in the same discussion after what he did tonight. Absolutely deconstructing, destroying this Michigan secondary that even has one of my own on it, right? Tulsa's own Dax Hill fights back from illness to play in this game. I'm so happy for him getting to this position. He's got a Big Ten championship ring. He's got this experience in Miami, but goodness me, this game was not close. As a matter of fact, I was making jokes about how 34-3 is really what you should have in your mind when you should watch this game or somebody talks about this game because 34-11, it's, it's, it's not even like that. Like We're going to get into some conversations about college football playoff and what these games have been, how bad they have been, like today's slate of games and what we need to do about it. But I also need to touch on James Cook, who I don't know if you heard this, but let me stop me if you heard this. His brother is Dalvin Cook. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Look, yes, we know James Cook's brother is Dalvin Cook. But what I think he got to display once again, quite honestly, for the casual college football fan that drops in this one time a year to watch our sport is that he's an absolute weapon, dude. Like, that guy can play in the slot. 
That guy could play seven and a half yards deep. That dude can go out on the numbers and cook you. Like, I've seen this kind of play before, but it has to go back to, like, DeMarco Murray days at Ohio State when he, or at Ohio State, at Oklahoma. How did I mess that up? Who did I have in my brain at Ohio State? I had Paris Campbell in my brain at Ohio State, and I flipped it into DeMarco Murray. Flamey. DeMarco Murray at Oklahoma when he was lining up in the slot and also seven and a half yards deep because I'm looking at it, three catches, 99 yards, one TD. Like, that's your running back. That's your, that's your number two running back if we're keeping it honest, right? Because Zamir White, Zeus, is your dude. But they just, it's about the offensive line. It's about winning this game in the trenches. I was very impressed with what Georgia did against this Michigan team in a game that we all thought was going to be close, and quite frankly, so did the College Football Playoff Selection Committee when they made them number two and number three, and Michigan's the home team, but Georgia's turning Miami Garden into their home at the Hard Rock, man. Like, goodness me. All right, enough of this game, right? James Cook, 141 yards. Goodness me. Let's talk a little bit about the earlier game. Let's talk about Bama and Cincinnati. Scores 27 to 6 when it was all said and done, and it felt larger than that, but also closer than that. Let me explain. First, we got Brian Robinson out here absolutely doing the doggone thing. Here's Slade Bolton. Man, Slade Bolton out there just making it happen in the slot without any John Mechie. And then you can see Alabama's defense getting after Desmond Ritter, getting after Jerome Ford. But for me, the uh, the story of the game is Brian Robinson who rushes for over 200 yards, right, on 26 carries. That is, like, the one of the four best rushing efforts in a college football playoff uh, semifinal ever, right? And this is for a guy who needed to wait his turn, quite honestly. And when I say wait his turn, I don't like using that term as much as some others do, but in this case, he's behind Damian Harris and Najee Harris, right? So Damian Harris for uh, two years. Najee Harris for two years. And then as a fifth-year senior, he finally gets some shine. As a matter of fact, way back in the preseason, he was one of the dudes that I was calling one of the best tailbacks in the sport. And people were going, hey, man, we didn't see that much of that dude. Shouldn't you have Brees Hall there? Shouldn't you have Bijan Robinson there? And like, yeah, they, they're there too. It's a very good year for tailbacks. But we've seen what Alabama tailbacks have been. And we know what the offensive line is. And in a game where Alabama... Goliath got to show up to Cinderella's door and say, no, we're kicking it all the way in. They did it behind this offensive line. They did it behind their fifth-year starter at, or excuse, I should say fifth-year senior and starter at tailback in Brian Robinson. And I'm really, at times, was going, why is Bill O'Brien going away from Brian Robinson at all? Like, if it's up to me, probably runs the ball 40 times. Like, honestly, because as great as he was, this is a game in which the Heisman winner wasn't very good. Like, Bryce Young was not very good. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but uh, I want to get into that by talking about Desmond Ritter and just what this game wasn't for him, all right? So, Bama's defense batted down four Desmond Ritter passes in this game. The reason that is significant is, number one, that is the same number of passes that Alabama batted down in 2020, when they played five foot eleven Stetson Bennett, and that might serve them well in the national championship game, but also because Desmond Ritter is six foot four. So what that means is the arm angle, the arm slot is awful. He needs to get that fixed. And this is a guy who many people believe is a first round draft pick, 
and this is the best team he's ever faced, and this is the team, this is the game for which he's probably going to be evaluated. As a matter of fact, scouts say it's your, it's your three best games, it's your three worst games. Those are the games they're looking at, right? This is going to be in both groups, right? Because it's the best team you're playing, and it's one of the worst efforts that you display. As a matter of fact, some of this is on him. I mentioned the pass defense or passes defended. Some of it is on his offensive line, which was just getting caved in. But in the first half, he was horrible. 17 passes attempted, just eight completions, 59 yards, sacked three times. But also in this, in this game, Cincinnati set a new low for total yards in a first half in a college football playoff with just 76. All right, some of that is obviously how great Alabama's defense is, but they were they were hurt in the secondary. There is no Josh Joe, right? He's out with surgery over there. And they got a true freshman at a corner that, quite honestly, looked like he was getting cooked. Like, my man's name is Jaquincy McKinstry. They call him Kool-Aid. But Leonard Taylor was lined up on Kool-Aid like he found an extra cup of sugar and was stirring it all up on the, on the end zone line there, man. Like, they dialed up a couple pass plays where they should have scored, where they should have got six. And Malachi Moore got in front of one of them. Henry Teoto got in front of another one. And those are two of the four passes defended. And that stops you from scoring. That stops the momentum because that could have made the game not just a one-score game, but put Sensi on even footing with Alabama as the score continued to grow. Meanwhile, Brian Robinson carrying the offense for Alabama as Bryce Young finishes 17 of 28 for 181 yards, three TDs, but also a pick. I want to want to. I want to get to that pick here in just a second, but I, I need to say, I mentioned the stars, and I mentioned the stars matter, you know, like George Strait stars on the water. People want to say stars don't really matter when they lose. That's, that's what I say. But I'm looking at Sauce Gardner, A1 Sweet Feet Sauce Gardner on one side. I'm looking at Kobe Bryant's namesake, Kobe Bryant, right? Changed his number to eight for this game from seven to eight. And those are the two best tandem, or that is the best tandem of corners in college football, bar none, okay? And that secondary, for the most part, with those two dudes, was locking people up. Jamison Williams did not have the kind of game that we expect from one of the three best receivers in the country, right? And I get that John Mechie's out, but it's Bama. You're supposed to have dudes, and they had dudes. So what they did, rather than try to get Jamison Williams off of Kobe Bryant or go at Sauce Gardner— is absolutely line up a true freshman on the numbers against my man, Arquan Bush. And not to put too fine a point on it, but Corey Brooks is a five-star and a member of that 2021 class that set a record for the highest point total for any recruiting class in the rankings era. And he showed what a five-star does against a three-star. Like, that's, that's what that was. He was man up, matched up. And he beat him over the top for 44-yard touchdown that really separated these two teams. And I think began the avalanche that was Alabama's defense continuing to pound on Cincinnati's offense. But I need to underscore that because this is what the game is. The game is a math problem. Okay? If they got eight in the box, we got one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. We got to win. Right? That's a math problem. So can your Jimmy beat their Joe? Can your Ja'Cory Beat their Arquan. And that's why Nick Saban puts such an emphasis on recruiting. 
He figures I can develop anybody, but I can only develop them to the limits of their talent. So I need to have more talented players than everybody else. This is a man who really did not appreciate the NFL because it was a socialist, is a socialist model where the worst team gets the best pick. And he's like, wait a second, what? And then to use his logic, you're telling me I only get one first round pick and that's if nobody traded it away. Whereas as a college football coach, I can get 25 first round picks every single year. And that's exactly what he has done. 74 of the 85 scholarship players at Alabama are blue chip recruits. That is, is outstanding. And it's also just underscoring. There's only so much you can do when ability is, is at issue, right? I can only coach you so much. Sometimes we can overdevelop you. Sometimes you're Sauce Gardner and you come out 160 pounds in Detroit. They blow you up to 200 pounds and you work so hard on your feet that your technique is elite. Sometimes Ja'Cory Brooks is just faster than Arquan Bush. It's that simple. All right. So I mentioned the stars and I mentioned how these things ought to matter. But I also want to give Cincy their props here, okay? Cincy deserved, or I should say Cincy's defense deserved a better offense, okay? Score 7-3 at the end of the first quarter in a game that many people thought was going to be a blowout with Alabama being up 28-0, to right? For perspective there, Oklahoma trailed LSU 21-7 in the 63-28 thumping, all right? It was 10-3 after a series where Cincy had Bama in third and 14 and third and goal from the 15-yard line. Next drive, Cincy was first to punt, but JoJo Earl muffed it. Cincy recovers that. We might be also looking at a different ball game here. I'm saying that Cincy deserved to be in this game. They're the only undefeated team left. They won their conference championship. They beat a top six Notre Dame team that may or may not beat Oklahoma State in their game tomorrow, right? I just, tomorrow being, well, tomorrow being today. Happy New Year. Um, I just wanted to also just give a little bit of flowers. Just smell them for Sensi for what they've chosen to, or what they have accomplished. And whether or not you want to actually say they deserve to be there or not, 13-0, 13-1, you lost to the best team, we think, in college football, at least the number one team in college football, the team that beat Georgia. I mean, uh, if nothing else, Texas A&M is going to use your loss to try to claim a national championship. I'm joking. I'm joking. But it's a joke that I really like to tell. All right. Now that we talk about those two games, let's talk about where these two playoff games rank. Because with both of these games being blowout, it's got me thinking, where does this rank in worst blowouts in college football playoff matchups ever. And you know what? We got a lot to choose from. That's the thing. We've been doing this for eight years, and we got a lot to choose from. The thought going into the college football playoff is that with four teams being selected into the playoff, we would be guaranteed good games. Three good games, by goodness, because the BCS was just not giving that to us, Right? USC, Oklahoma, 04, anybody. You know what I mean? But that's not what we got. Instead, we got Bama over Michigan State, 38-0. We got Oregon over Florida State, 59-20. Which, by the way, insult to injury on that one. I remember 
that game being decided and Urban Meyer being on the days at Ohio State that he just got done beating Alabama, which we'll talk about here in a second, and he didn't know the score. And he didn't know who won, so they told him. And my man threw his head back and laughed. He's like, whew, what a beatdown that was. Because it was. Like, we all watch it. It's the famous, <laughs> it's the famous Jameis Winston falling back and RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it's, sorry. Jameis is one of my favorite college football moments, dog. Because he was doing his best to try to get that ball off. We also got Clemson over Ohio State, 31-0, which Clemson fans will be the first to point out. Ohio State fans will be like, hey, we'll talk about that here in a second, and we will. Clemson over Notre Dame, 30-3. That game was also bad for me because it felt like Notre Dame had no business being in the college football playoff at all, right? You'll remember in that season, a 5-7 and seven USC team nearly beat Notre Dame going into the end of the season and Notre Dame did not have to play in a college football or, or college football did not have to play in a conference championship, so it felt like they just kind of got okay. We we need a fourth team, so we'll put them there. And, and of course, Clemson did what Clemson does. But then Clemson went and had one of the most decisive national championship wins of my lifetime against Alabama. So you know, there's that. We also get in there. Just gotta throw it in there uh, for me. Alabama, Oklahoma. 45-34 is the score. It seems closer on paper, but y'all watch that game. I watched that game. Kyler Murray was beat to hell. He had grass all like grass stains all up and down him. Quinnen Quinnen Williams was absolutely destroying the offensive line at Oklahoma, just wrecking it, just ragged all into the side. Difference is Kyler Murray finished with 300 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. What I'm saying is Kyler Murray still looked like a first round draft pick. Does Desmond Ritter still look like a first round draft pick to you after this game? That's the other part about this. None of these quarterbacks look like dudes you want to select in the first round. That is bonkers to me. Think about that. We just saw a college football playoff where nobody but, I take that back, nobody but Bryce Young. None of the draft-eligible dudes look like guys that you absolutely want to be the quarterback of your team, and we got to wait another year for Bryce Young. But, hey, here's the thing about this. While he is slotted, to be the first quarterback off the board in 2023, you know who else was slotted to be the first quarterback off the board? Spencer Rattler. How about Sam Howell? You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 JT Daniels. DJ Uwe Ungalale next year. Like, that dude you're looking at going, what do we have to do here? I watched the Cheez-It Bowl. They didn't let DJ throw the ball deep. You get what I'm saying here? Like, it's the, the, the year of quarterback play has just been bonkers to me, and I'm just... I'm watching a former walk-on. I'm watching a dude who was a scout team quarterback during the 2018 Rose Bowl lead his team after going the JUCO route to the national title game, and that might be the best quarterback among the draft-eligible quarterbacks. I know somebody out here is going to throw Kenny Pickett at me, and that's fine. I'm good with that. Throw Matt Corral at me. I'm fine. What I'm saying is, who are those dudes are you clamoring for the way we clamor for Tre Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or even Trey Lance for that matter? Zach Wilson. It's uh, uh, just bonkers to me. All right. So all of those games were awful. But the one that is the worst on the list is obviously LSU destroying Oklahoma 63-28. to Bar none. That's number one. It, it wasn't a close game. Oklahoma got embarrassed. 
That game is being used to make jokes about Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC because he did not want any parts of the SEC. It's going to live forever as the worst college football playoff game anybody's ever seen. That's above Oregon-Florida State, period. All right? Now, in as far as where the Georgia-Michigan game ranks, I got to put it, you got to put it ahead of Alabama and Michigan State because Michigan State didn't score, right? But that's the only reason you would do it. You would put it ahead of Clemson and Notre Dame because they managed to score more points, but like on a, in garbage time, right? And I guess you score points, you score points, but in garbage time, it's 34-3. Right? Nobody really cares at this point, and you got the backups in, and the backups are still having a hard time against the Georgia backups because, again, they got more dudes than you. Now, as for the Cincinnati-Alabama game, I'm inclined to put this one... I'm inclined to put this one ahead of Clemson-Ohio State, 31-0. They didn't score, but... Barely, you know? One... Since he scored, cool, field goals, whatever. But also, it felt like since he deserved to be in that spot and we're going to give them extra credit for being a G5 program and being undefeated and not feeling like one of those teams that we just had to slot in there. It was a team that absolutely fought for its spot in this semifinal. But yeah, uh, I could sit here and talk about LSU and Oklahoma being the worst college football playoff game anybody's ever seen for a very long time, and I don't think any of y'all would tell me that I'm wrong. All right, now that we covered the worst, knowing that there are so few competitive games in college football playoff, what are the best ones? And it's a very short list, right? It's a very short list. Why have there been so few competitive games in the CFP? I'll address that in a second. But I first want to point to the ones that were good. Ohio State-Alabama, 2014 Sugar Bowl. Ohio State wins 42-35. That is the Cardell Jones game. That is the Zeke Elliott game. Zeke had 230 yards rushing against Alabama in that game. And that's also a year after Alabama played in a game that they didn't want to be in. Remember that? Because Trevor Knight showed up and cooked them in the Sugar Bowl. Remember that? I remember that. They might not remember that, but I remember that. Remember, the SEC only cares about the games in the playoff. And you know what? They got a point after today. Georgia-Oklahoma 2018 Rose Bowl, that's, that's the best game that anybody's ever seen in the college football playoff, which gives Oklahoma the distinction of having played in the best game and the worst game and losing both. My team, like, what are we doing here? It's 54-48 double overtime. I was so into that game. I knew all the kids, or I knew all the players, knew most of their parents. Squib kick, up 17, second half. Jake Fromm, like, I could keep going over here, but it was great, right? The way that it ended after the way that it started, best college football playoff game we've seen. And then Clemson-Ohio State, 2020 Fiesta Bowl. Clemson wins 29-23. Two big points in that game for me. One is Jeff Akuta's interception that was called an incompletion that changes the game and of course Chris Olave breaking off his route Justin Fields put it where it was going to be Chris Olave stopped running Tanner Muse picks the ball off game's over right it's the reason Justin Fields wanted to come back in the worst way and quite frankly did did right beat Clemson beat Clemson with, with like bruised ribs and got his team to the national championship game. They lost to Alabama. 
All right. So those are my three. I think I got Georgia, Oklahoma one. I got Ohio State, Alabama two. And I got Clemson, Ohio State three. So, yeah, that's that's a good, good. But it also underscores the problem with the college football playoff. There are like three teams, four teams that we expect to see in the playoff every year. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, right? Some version of Georgia and or Oklahoma. So five. This is the problem. There, there aren't enough games. Okay? I know that there are some of y'all that are thinking, RJ, they're already playing too many games because, like, Alabama and Georgia, they're always going to be at the top. That may be true, but, like, look at the FCS. You ended up seeing North Dakota State and James Madison for years, and then here came San Houston State until this year, right? And they got bounced. But that's kind of the point. The more games you have to play, the more opportunities teams have to lose. But also, the more games we get. Like, give me the Music City Bowl, okay? I had no dog in that fight. I have two friends, two, two friends to work with, Purdue fan, Tennessee fan, invested. I, though, am just, give me a good football game. And they gave me one hell of a good football game. I was so excited to watch that. I got to see Josh Heupel cuss on live television because the call was that bad. Yes, yes, Tennessee, you, you got robbed. We all know you got robbed. You got robbed in your hometown, though. like Or not your hometown. You got robbed in your home state, though. That's what's funny about it. And I got to see another former walk-on in Aiden O'Connell absolutely show out, right? I got to see Hendon Hooker be on his game. I got to see Mr. Tillman be on his game. And I was so excited about it. You know what I mean? That was a great game. What if the Peach Bowl was a quarterfinal? Because if it was a quarterfinal, I would have had Kenneth Walker III at tailback, and I would have had Kenny Pickett at quarterback. I wouldn't have had to see the third-string quarterback at Pitt. No disrespect. No disrespect. But you're not the Heisman finalist. You're not the dude that people are trying to get drafted in the first round. All respect to Jordan Simmons, Harold Joyner, the whole running back depth chart of Michigan State. But y'all ain't the Heisman candidates. Those dudes opted out because they had nothing to gain from playing in a bowl game. They had everything to lose. They saw what happened to Jalen Smith. Yeah, he got drafted in the second round. And then the Dallas Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys, cut him. Cut him. Cut his money off. And that's what these dudes are absolutely playing for. They're playing for an opportunity to be one of the 2% in the NFL. Be one of those 1,600 players that collect a check to play professional football. People thought the NIL deals were going to keep these dudes in it. Nah. You can't come up with $30 million guaranteed. You can't do that in no NIL deal. But if the Peach Bowl was quarterfinal, I bet it would have been a better game. And it was still a good game. That's the shock of it. I had so much fun watching that football game, all right? Like, I was up early this morning seeing what Rutgers was about against Wake Forest. And you know what? For like a half football, the Scarlet Knights was like, cool, we rolled out of bed. They said they wanted to play. Let's go play. And we saw a bunch of that this year. We saw dudes absolutely want to play in some bowl games, right? And it felt like the less there was on the line, the better the bowl game. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a degenerate. 
So I'm watching the Sun Bowl, right, this afternoon, and I'm Central Michigan, Jim McElwain. They, they about to be up to something because I love football, and you love football, and we're much more likely to have a great football game if we're playing more football games. This is why I'm here for expansion. Yes, absolutely, I want every team that should be in to get in. It really makes me upset that Ohio State and Utah aren't playing in a quarterfinal because then Gary Wilson's playing. Then Chris Olave is playing. And I get to see the best passing attack in football go at a Utah team that is surging like Michigan was surging and then have a route back to the national championship that we don't have to argue about. Like this is the reason why the NFL is ahead of us in this sport and the reason why the filthy casual gets to drop in and say that they're right. They're going to have a 14-team playoff in the NFL. It don't matter that my Dallas Cowboys have clinched a division because we know they can get busted out in the divisional. We know that. We know what it is to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. It means I ain't won no Super Bowl since I'm nine years old. It means I ain't won no national championship since I was 13 years old. Expand it. Give everybody more, more opportunities to feel how I feel. That's what they to feel how I feel. I got Dak Prescott. I got Zeke Elliott. I got Amari Cooper. I got CeeDee Lamb. I got Micah Parsons. Trayvon Diggs. If we don't win it this year, then what? It'd be like every other year. That's what I'm saying. Give everybody the same opportunity to have a stake in this. Because that was what I missed about Purdue and Tennessee. I didn't have no stake in this. My game was over by halftime. Okay, Oregon didn't want to be there. Oklahoma was playing for Coach Stoops, and it went how it went, okay? Like, no shame, no disrespect. That's just what it was. Give me more games that matter to the kids, to us. That is why you need to expand this playoff. 16 teams, what I want, do the 12. We'll work the 16. We, we can do it. You know, I'm still a young man. I turn 35 next year, or this year. Uh, again, happy new year. But we, we get there in my age. All right. Last thing I want to end on as I go on this rant about imagination, creativity, and Ted Lasso-style belief about what Cincinnati might do is <laughs> Alabama-Georgia National Championship game. Here's four facts that I want to leave you with, okay? Number one is Georgia has won a national title, hasn't won a national title in 40 years, okay? Bama has won six since 2009. Second one is the last time UGA played Bama in the national title game, a backup came off the bench, threw up one to number six on second and 26. That's game. Okay? That's game. Number three, Alabama beat UGA a month ago. So this is the sequel to the sequel. Okay? The last one is, again, what I started the show with, 140 of the 170 scholarship players at Alabama and Georgia are four or five stars. The stars matter when we're talking about playing elite competition. You'll note, Texas A&M, they'll say the same thing. They're set to break Alabama's 2021 recruiting rankings record if they should land Shamar Stewart right? Among others, right? There's a couple five stars they're still in the market with. So, who wins the national championship? 
I honestly do not care as long as the game is accurate. I, I just, I, I just don't care. But we will talk about it on Tuesday when we do our national championship preview show for January 10th, and then we will be live again on January 10th to talk about what happened and what it means in the national championship game, the SEC title redo, and quite honestly, whether or not it just means more. That's a show. Thank you to our sponsor, Direct TV Stream. Our director is John Marcus. Our producer is Catherine Donnelly. Tyler Wojak has been doing almost a little bit of everything. And, man, I'm grateful to you. My man, Javion Duncan, stays on the socials. My man, Niles Owens, stays on the live stream switches. That is it for me. Doses.